Hello world, this is Roger Corvale and this is For the Hope. Here we read through the Bible conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in his world. You ready? Let's roll. Welcome. Imagine you've been at work where people knew you were a Christian. And somewhere along the way, you made a big deal about how awesome God is. And now imagine you've got some situation, but find that you don't want to ask for help because you had made such a big deal about God being awesome. And that, my friends, is kind of the sort of story that we're going to get to today in the book of Ezra. Uh, And the better one of which will be in Ezra. Hey, Hopeful, welcome to For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible, where we read through every single word of God's revelation of himself scripturally and consider our own life and work stories in light of that, including how an Old Testament prophet's story uh, might relate to us. And sit tight, I saved one interesting tidbit for later. Oh, and hello from the road, recording this into my iPhone, so I'll be back at the command center tomorrow. Thanks for hanging with me on these slightly rougher versions of you and me having a conversation together. In our New Testament time together, so far in 1 Corinthians, after the intro, we heard kind of this general section about divisions over Christian preachers, and that actually, frankly, kind of wraps up today. It was kind of the initial report about the issue, and then... Is the next section that we're going to finish up today is really kind of about God's wisdom and how that answers the problem. So then there was a section that we heard that was about the nature of God's wisdom. And then yesterday we began to hear how that is applied to Apollos and Paul and the Corinthians. And useful to remember, Paul's warnings um, do not mean, the ones we heard yesterday, do not mean that human leaders are unimportant. Um, It's just important to remember, kind of his point, people are saved only by Christ, right? That's that's the only basis for salvation. That's the only basis of salvation. And church leaders build on that foundation. So doesn't mean we shouldn't have leaders. We just got to keep first things first. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. A person should think of us in this way as servants of Christ and managers of the mysteries of God. In this regard, it is required that managers be found faithful. It is of little importance to me that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I don't even judge myself, for I am not conscious of anything against myself, but I am not justified by this. It is the Lord who judges me. So don't judge anything prematurely before the Lord comes, who will both bring to light what is hidden in darkness and reveal the intentions of the hearts. And then praise will come to each one from God. Now, brothers and sisters, I have applied these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, so that you may learn from us the meaning of the saying, nothing beyond what is written. Pause. If you didn't catch Sunday's reflection, I went into some detail about that whole line, nothing beyond what is written. So go back two days and uh, find that one. Continuing. Now, brothers and sisters, I have applied these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, so that you may learn from us the meaning of the saying, nothing beyond what is written. The purpose is that none of you will be arrogant, favoring one person over another. For who makes you so superior? What... Do you have that you didn't receive? If in fact you did receive it, 
rhetorical point. Yes, you did receive it. If, in fact, you did receive it, why do you boast as if you hadn't received it? You are already full. You're already rich. You have begun to reign as kings without us. And I wish you did reign so that we could also reign with you. For I think God has displayed us, the apostles, in last place, like men condemned to die. We have become a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to people. We are fools for Christ, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished, but we are dishonored. Up to the present hour, we are both hungry and thirsty. We are, we are poorly clothed, roughly treated, homeless. We work laboring with our hands and when we are reviled we bless when we are persecuted we endure it when we are slandered we respond graciously even now we are like the scum of the earth like everyone's garbage i'm not writing this to shame you but to warn you as my dear children for you may have countless instructors in christ but you don't have many fathers for I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. This is why I have sent Timothy to you. He is my dearly loved and faithful child in the Lord, and he will remi remind you about my ways in Christ Jesus, just as I teach everywhere in every church. Now, some are arrogant, as though I were not coming to you, but I will come to you soon, if the Lord wills, and I will not... And I will find out not the talk, but the power of those who are arrogant. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. What do you want? Should I come to you with a rod or in love and a spirit of gentleness? And that, my friends, is um, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And sit tight. Interesting turn tomorrow into just dealing with some kind of crazy sexual immorality situations. All right, turning back to our Old Testament. Uh, many of the books in the Old Testament overlap, of course, in terms of their timelines, right? They're kind of like parallel narratives. So we just finished up Esther, and as you already figured out, today we're back into the book of Ezra. But you can now sort of see how these things kind of fit together, at least I hope you can. The last section of Ezra, kind of from chapters 7 through 10, concern Ezra's memoirs, and it warns the restored community not to follow the sins of their fathers. And Ezra, of course, is this trained scholar in the law, and he was commissioned by who? Artaxerxes, to return to Jerusalem and teach the statutes of Jewish religious life. That's what we're going to read about today. Pause. Remember that Artaxerxes was the Persian ruler who followed Xerxes, who is the one we just read about in Esther. So anyway, and then I forget if it's tomorrow or the next day, we'll hear about Ezra initiating religious reform that leads to repentance and covenant commitment. Kind of a beautiful thing today, Ezra chapters 7 and 8. After these events, during the reign of King Artaxerxes of Persia, Ezra, Sariah's son, Azariah's son, this is his lineage, Hilkiah's son, Shalom's son, Zadok's son, Ahitab's son, Amariah, Azariah, Marioth, Zariah, Uzi, Buki, Abishua, Phineas, Eleazar, Aaron, and that's kind of establishing his priestly or Levitical lineage. 
After these events, during the reign of King Artaxerxes, Ezra came up from Babylon. He was a scribe skilled in the law of Moses, which the Lord, the God of Israel, had given. The king had granted him everything he requested because of the hand of the Lord. His God was on him, and some of the Israelites, priests, Levites, singers, gatekeepers, and temple servants accompanied him to Jerusalem in the seventh year of King Artaxerxes. Ezra came to Jerusalem in the fifth month during the seventh year of the king. He began to the journey from Babylon on the first day of the month and arrived in Jerusalem on the first day of the fifth month, since the gracious hand of his God was on him. <laughs> Pause. I just got done saying you went from Babylon to Jerusalem. It took you four months, and that was great travel because God's hand was gracious. <laughs> now, Ezra had determined in his own heart to study the law of God, obey it, and teach its statutes and ordinances in Israel. This is the text from the letter King Artaxerxes gave to Ezra, the priest and scribe, an expert in matters of the Lord's commands and statutes for Israel. Artaxerxes, king of kings, to Ezra the priest, an expert in the law of the God of the heavens, greetings, I issue a decree that any of the Israelites in my kingdom, including their priests and Levites, who want to go to Jerusalem, may go with you. You are sent by the king and his seven counselors to evaluate Judah and Jerusalem according to the law of your God, which is in your possession. You are also to bring the silver and gold the king and his counselors have willingly given to the God of Israel, whose dwelling is in Jerusalem, and all the silver and gold you receive throughout the province of Babylon, together with the free will offerings given by the people and the priests to the house of their God in Jerusalem. Then you are to be diligent to buy with this money bulls, rams, and lambs, along with their grain and drink offerings, and offer them on the altar at the house of your God in Jerusalem. You may do whatever seems best to you and your brothers with the rest of the silver and gold according to the will of your God. To deliver to the God of Jerusalem all the articles given to you for the service of the house of your God, you may use the royal treasury to pay for anything else you need for the house of your God. I, King Artaxerxes, issue a decree to all the treasurers in the region west of the Euphrates River. Whatever Ezra the priest, the expert of the law of the God of the heavens, asks you, asks of you, must be provided in full, up to 7,500 pounds of silver, 500 bushels of wheat, 550 gallons of wine, 550 gallons of oil, and salt without limit. Whatever is commanded by the God of the heavens must be done diligently for the house of the God of the heavens, so that wrath will not fall on the realm of the king and his sons. Be advised that you do not have authority to impose tribute, duty, or land tax on any priests, Levites, singers, doorkeepers, temple servants, or other servants of the house of this God. And you, Ezra, according to God's wisdom that you possess, appoint magistrates and judges to all to judge all the people in the region west of the Euphrates who know the laws of your God and to teach them to anyone who does not know them. Anyone who does not keep the law of your God and the law of the king, let the, the appropriate judgment be executed on him, whether death, banishment, confiscation of property, or imprisonment. And that's kind of the end of that. And before it goes on, let me just say this. Remember, if this is seven years into the reign of Artaxerxes, then he would probably, and given that, remember, because of the whole thing in Esther, remember that the Jews went from, like, being targets of genocide to being really prominent in the land, right? No doubt successful. 
King Artaxerxes would have known this story, right? He would have been well familiar with the uh, the Israelites. So it's kind of interesting, therefore, that he, in a sense, acknowledges the source of their power or success um, by going, "Hey, this is this is the God of Jerusalem." Which, of course, remember they superstitiously thought gods were local because to them most gods were actually demons, right? Continuing, and this is Ezra offering praise based on all of that letter from King Artaxerxes. Blessed be the Lord, the God of our ancestors, who has put into the king's mind to glorify the house of the Lord in Jerusalem, and who has shown me favor before the king, his counselors, and all his powerful officers. So I took courage because I was strengthened by the hand of the Lord my God, and I gathered Israelite leaders to return with me. These, chapter 8, these are the family heads with and the genealogical records of those who returned with me from Babylon during the reign of King Artaxerxes. And uh, for those of you who are new here, I'm going to kind of speed through this. I will highlight the important things. We don't miss any any ideas. But the whole purpose of a genealogy was who gets the land and who's you know who's the rightful owner and who has to take care of who and that kind of stuff. So here we go. Gershom from Phineas's descendants, Daniel from Ithamar's descendants, Hattush from David's descendants, who was Shechaniah of Shechaniah's descendants, Zechariah from Perosha's descendants, and 150 men with him who were registered by genealogy, Elehonai, son of Zeriah, from Pahath Moab's descendants, and 200 men with him, Shechaniah's son of Jehaziel from Zatu's descendants, and 300 men with him, Ebed, son of Jonathan, from Aden's descendants, and 50 men with him, Jeshiah, son of Athaliah, from Elam's descendants, and 70 men, Zebediah, son of Michael, from Shephatiah's descendants, and 80 men with him, Obadiah, son of Jehiel, from Joab's descendants, and 218 men with him, Shelemith, son of Josephiah, from Bani's descendants and 160 men, Zechariah, son of Bibai, from Bibai's descendants and 28 men, Johanan, son of Hakatan, from Asgad's descendants and 110 men, and these are the last ones from Adagnikon's descendants, and their names were Eliphalet, Jeul, and Shemaiah, and 60 men with them, Uthai, and Zachar, from Bigvi's descendants, and 70 men with them. I gathered them at the river that flows to Ahava, and we camped there for three days. I searched for among the people and priests, but found no Levites there. Then I summoned the leaders, Eleazar, Ariel, Shemaiah, Elnathan, Jerib, Elnathan, different Elnathan, Nathan, Zechariah, and Meshulam, as well as the teachers Joirib and Elnathan, a third Elnathan. And I sent them to Edo, the leader at Kasaphia, with the message for him and his brothers, the temple servants of Kasaphia, that they should bring us ministers for the house of our God. Since the gracious hand of our God was on us, they brought us Sherebiah, a man of insight and descendants, and from the descendants of Mali, a descendant of Levi, son of Israel, along with his sons and brothers, 18 men, plus Hashabiah, along with Jeshiah from the descendants of Merari, and his brothers and their sons, 20 men. There were also 220 of the temple servants who had been appointed by David and the leaders for the work of the Levites, all were identified by name. I proclaimed a fast by the Ahava River so that we might, be, we might humble ourselves before our God and ask him for a safe journey for ourselves, our dependents, and all our possessions. Pause. My friends, did you catch that opening story about, you know, people know you're a Christian and then now what? Listen to this. This is Ezra. They just got done 
proclaiming a fast to do some worship and humbling. Now he goes on. I did this because I was ashamed. Keyword. I did this because I was ashamed to ask the king for infantry and cavalry to protect us from enemies during the journey, since we had told him, quote, the hand of our God is gracious to all who seek him, but his anger is fierce against all who abandon him, unquote. So we fasted and pleaded with our God about this, and he was receptive to our prayer. I selected twelve of the leading priests along with Sherebiah, Hashabiah, and ten of their brothers, and I weighed out to them the silver, the gold, and the articles, the contribution for the house of our God that the king, his counselors, his leaders, and all the Israelites who were presented had offered, and I weighed out to them twenty-four tons of silver, silver articles weighing seventy-five hundred pounds, seventy-five hundred pounds of gold, twenty gold bowls worth of a thousand gold coins and two articles of fine gleaming bronze as valuable as gold. And then I said to them, you are holy to the Lord and the articles are holy. The silver and the gold are a free will offering to the Lord of Lord God of our ancestors. Guard them carefully until you weigh them out in the chambers of the Lord's house before the leading priests, Levites and heads of the Israelite families in Jerusalem. And so the priests and the Levites took charge of the silver, the gold, and the articles that had been weighed out to bring them to the house of our God in Jerusalem. We set out from the Ahava River on the twelfth day of the first month to go to Jerusalem, and we were strengthened by our God. And he kept us from the grasp of the enemy and from ambush along the way. So we arrived at Jerusalem and rested there for three days. On the fourth day, the silver and the gold and the articles were weighed out in the house of our of God into the care of the priest Merimoth, son of Uriah. Eleazar, son of Phinehas, was with him, and the Levites, Jazabad, son of Jeshua, and Noadiah, son of Benui, were with him. Everything was verified by number and weight, and the total weight was recorded at that time. The exiles who had returned from the captivity of offered burnt offerings to the Lord of God of Israel. Twelve bulls for all of Israel, ninety-six rams and seventy-seven lambs, along with twelve male goats as a sin offering. All this was a burnt offering for the Lord. They also delivered the king's edicts to the royal satraps and governors of the region west of the Euphrates so that they would support the people and the house of God. And that, my friends, is chapters 7 and 8 of Ezra. And we will finish that up tomorrow. So with that, we're going to do a little wisdom segment today. And uh, not much of a reflection segment because I trust you kind of caught the implication of that passage in Ezra. But yesterday, I told you we were picking up in Proverbs uh, 19, verse 18, and I must have turned to chapter 17, verse 18. Sorry, I read you the wrong Proverbs, and I knew you were just calling me out on that. (laughs) Proverbs chapter 19, for reals this time, picking up in verse 18. Discipline your son while there's still hope. Don't set your heart on being the cause of his death. A person with intense anger bears the penalty. If you rescue him, you'll have to do it again. Listen to counsel and receive instruction so that you may be wise later in life. Many plans are in a person's heart, but the Lord's decree will prevail. I'm going to say that again. Many plans are in a person's heart but the Lord's decree will prevail. That is uh, through verse 21. And final thought on Ezra. I don't know about you, but I've always been amazed that Ezra said he was ashamed 
Did you catch that? I hope you were not multitasking too bad. So here he just gets this letter from the king, right? And clearly, I this is just me kind of taking a little bit of liberty. Just take this with a grain of salt. But here he's he's gotten permission from the king and basically said, our God is a stud. And so now it actually comes to traveling and he didn't want to ask for infantry and cavalry for protection. Because why? He says, I did this because I was ashamed to ask for that stuff since we had told him the hand of our God is gracious to those who seek him, but fierce anger uh, of his is against all who abandon him. And I just thought it was kind of interesting. It said, I was ashamed to ask him. I made a big deal, such a big deal out of God being a big deal that uh, I didn't want to make it seem like, well, now I need human help. And of course, he prayed, and God honored that, and that's a beautiful thing. I love you, my friends. Amen. Amen.